Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Actus Podcast, a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news relevant to the CDI profession and Actus. I'm Linnea Archibald, the Associate Editorial Director for Actus, and I will be your host for today's show, which is part of our Leadership with Linnea series. In every episode of this series, I'll be joined by one guest from the Actus Leadership Council ranks or a contributor from one of our Actus publications to discuss a topic relevant to leaders in the industry, whether or not they currently hold a traditional management title. Today's topic is CDI and financial resiliency, and I'm joined by Suma Chaco, RHIA, CCS, MBA. Suma is the System Inpatient CDI Director at Baylor Scott & White Health in the Central and North Texas regions. She has 25 years of healthcare experience leading HIM departments, and she facilitated the implementation of the CDI program at three of the facilities in her system. Four years ago, she took on a system-level role when CDI staff were merged under a corporate physician-led department. Suma supports 20 acute care facilities with approximately 3,700 licensed beds. In addition, Suma has been actively involved and presented during Actus Leadership Council sessions and at our Actus National Conference. Welcome to the show, Suma. Before we jump into our topic, a brief word about today's sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by Iodine. Iodine is an enterprise AI company that is championing a radical rethink of how to create value for healthcare professionals, leaders, and their organizations, automating complex clinical tasks, generating insights, and empowering intelligent care. Powered by the largest set of clinical data and use cases available, Iodine's groundbreaking clinical machine learning engine, Cognitive ML, constantly ingests the patient record to generate real-time, high highly focused, predictive insights that clinicians and hospital administrators can leverage to dramatically augment the management of care delivery. And now back to the show. So thanks so much for joining me today, Suma. I'm really excited to sit down with you to discuss financial resiliency. Of course, I'm always excited when I get to talk to you, as you know. Um, To start us off, in the early days of CDI, so much was focused on kind of the financial performance, specifically surrounding CC and MCC capture and DRG kind of quote unquote optimization. And now, of course, we know that CDI departments are involved in just a wide range of initiatives, some of which are a bit more difficult to tie to a specific financial ROI. So, In this environment, how do you see CDI contributing to their organization's financial health? And then what metrics are you using to show a continued ROI beyond kind of those traditional metrics of the past? Well, first of all, thank you, Linnea, for having me um, join this podcast. I, I also enjoy speaking to you as well. So to answer your question, let me just start with saying Clinical documentation integrity plays a vital part of our organization. Our leadership team, specifically our analytics department, captures and measures not only the financial impact, but evaluates opportunities which improves the quality of our documentation. So let's begin with our core metrics. Our performance is based on production metrics such as reviews, query rate, provider response and agree rate, and CC, MCC capture rate, which you mentioned earlier. These metrics are consistent with the CDI industry standards. Some metrics that we capture outside of the traditional metrics 
are related to quality, such as severity of illness and risk of mortality changes. This would significantly impact the Medicaid population as they utilize the APRDRG system for billing and reimbursement. In addition, we measure the geometric length of stay changes. By measuring this, we can prove our impact for decreasing the length of stay. Another opportunity which contributes to our organization's financial health is focusing on denials prevention. Our CDI physician lead has taken the initiative to address denials due to inadequate documentation. Monitoring denial trends based on diagnosis helped us target specific areas for education. Our physician lead spends a considerable amount of time with our systems denials department in hopes that appeals will be overturned. The education to providers may not be measured directly, but has proven its worth to prevent future denials. So to sum it up, both financial and non-financial metrics are equally important KPIs that we continue to measure, which ultimately results in capturing the true clinical picture of the patient. Absolutely. And I think something you said there kind of alluded to the fact that even those metrics that are a little bit less easily tied to, to finances, so tracking your educational efforts, that is, it's kind of a trickle down situation where it is leading to preventing denials. It is leading to more accurate documentation, which is going to show in your reimbursement, which is going to show in your quality measures. All of that stuff is um, making an impact, whether or not you can show kind of a, a exact dollar amount that was tied to it. So I think that's really important to, to remember. Kind of on the flip side, I know that CDI is often given credit for improved financial ROI through metrics such as case mix index and improved quality measure performance, which obviously there's a ton of factors that can influence those outcomes. So how do you communicate these varied factors to your organization's leadership? What can CDI really take credit for and what's really largely beyond their control in your opinion? That is a great question. Some key leaders solely focus on CDI being the key drivers to case mix index. We would love to take credit as CMI increases, but this isn't necessarily due to our work alone. Our leadership team emphasizes that we may at times have an impact on CMI. However, there are other factors that also contribute to a shift in CMI. For example, an increase in CMI may be related to an additional service line or a higher patient acuity. Another example beyond our control is when new surgeons are onboarded, which directly impacts the surgical volumes, therefore resulting in an increased CMI. At our organization, our analytics team monitors the medical and surgical percentage changes each month. These changes may have an impact on overall CMI despite the efforts of CDI. On the other hand, there are other CDI functions we can take credit for, such as opportunities that impact quality measures or capturing the additional CC, MCC, where clinical indicators were present. In addition, we can also take credit for submitting a compliant query that solidifies the diagnosis and facilitates denials prevention. 
All this is collectively shared by our leadership team through an executive dashboard. This dashboard is provided to the facility C-suites monthly. Additionally, we conduct face-to-face -face or video presentations quarterly. The quarterly meetings help us to stay engaged with facility leaders and provide an opportunity for them to post questions, which has been very successful. That's awesome. And I love that you have kind of that that regular touch point with your organizational leadership um, to keep them in the loop and also be able to answer their questions. I think sometimes it's easy to say, well, of course, CMI has a lot of different factors that can affect it. Like, of course, having new surgeons onboarding is going to affect our CMI. But when you're just looking at a number, it can be a little abstract. So being available to answer those questions and explain what's being shown through the data, I would imagine is very beneficial. It is. Yeah. So uh, switching gears a little bit, um, it seems like you really can't go a day these days without reading a story about healthcare staffing shortages. And I know that that trickles down to CDI since the recruiting pool of HIM professionals and nurses is really running a bit drier than usual. So how are you handling staffing shortages if you're experiencing them? Are you using technology to supplement your efforts? And then when it does come to hiring new staff, where have you found those best candidates, whether that's internal, external, contract, all of those places? Well, this has been the biggest challenge post-pandemic, not only in our organization, but nationally. There's more scrutiny now more than ever to obtain approval from senior leadership to hire additional staff. We discussed earlier how important it is to collect and measure KPIs. This is no different when it comes to utilizing data to identify staffing needs. Of course, the reliability and accuracy of the data is essential to ascertain the manpower needed. By collecting the current percentage of prioritized reviews completed and not completed, we can identify and prove the need for additional staffing based on low coverage rates. Every year during the budget season, our leadership team showcases our story based on these metrics. To share a little bit about our story, when we merged as a corporate CDI department four years ago, we had less than 40 staff. The system contracted with a consultant to complete an assessment of our CDI program. The assessment indicated we needed 100 concurrent CDI reviewers for our healthcare system. In evaluating our staffing plan, technology played a big part in identifying how many reviewers we needed for our team. We had the advantage of a prioritization tool. Therefore, we determined approximately 80 CDI reviewers will suffice. So we're, we're close to getting there, but not quite. Uh, we still have some work to do. Um, but regarding where you, we discovered the best candidates, we have been extremely grateful to our team who have provided great referrals as we expanded our staffing pool. In addition to that, we also utilize contract staff. Hiring contract staff has been successful due to the great relationship we have with the staffing agencies. They recruit great candidates based on our criteria and requirements. 
The contract timeline also allows the management team to work with individuals to meet performance expectations prior to onboarding them as permanent employees. So for the most part, we've been successful using both options for hiring and retaining staff. That's awesome. And I think something we've talked about within the leadership council in the past is that you don't have to view contract staff as the end-all be-all in that that's the way you're staffing your program forever and completely. Like you said, it can kind of bridge that gap between, hey, we don't have enough staff right now. We're not able to hire full-time staff immediately. Getting some contract staff in here will help us get to the reviews we need to get to. And like you said, a lot of those contract staff might end up becoming full-time staff with you down the line. Um, If they have a good experience in your department, they want to stay a part of your team, that's a great way to kind of um, feed your full-time staffing as well. So I really love that. Kind of related to that, I know that healthcare organizations are operating on increasingly tight margins. I'm sure you're well aware of that. Um, What doesn't make the budget that doesn't really make the budgetary cuts and potential lack of raises and promotions any easier for your staff or for you, honestly. So how do you handle staff expectations when it comes to budget and compensation? And then how have you safeguarded your CDI department budgets from further cuts, particularly over the last two plus years reeling from from COVID? In our organization, we are transparent with all our metrics, especially the financial stability of the healthcare system. This basically sets the tone of expectations throughout the year. Our vice president of CDI has continued to push for a market increase these past few years prior to the pandemic. This came to fruition this past year. Our compensation team recognized there were opportunities based on market analysis of our department. Our team received a market increase, which proved we are now competitive with local healthcare systems. Our staff truly appreciated the extra effort taken to obtain this increase. We're also fortunate to have the budget to provide the yearly merit increase based on goals met for the year. I will say the data speaks of volumes when justifying whether they should be budget cuts for staffing. Each year, we've been able to prove our worth due to the significant impact of the quality and financial metrics. A positive ROI in these metrics has helped us to continue to receive approval for the next budget year. Our departmental leadership team will continue to share our success based on current hires to justify the needs for the future. That's great. And I think um, you mentioned kind of leaning on the data, both your internal data and I would say also your industry data that you have available through places like Actis, through AHIMA, through other organizations um, where you can get data kind of surrounding staffing and compensation trends for your department can be really beneficial. I know in our last podcast episode, we talked a bit about the upcoming CDI salary survey. We'll release that report in January. Um, 
um, to the Actus audience. And it's a it's a great resource if you are looking at, you know, are we paying our, our staff fairly? Is there something we could do to help with retention? All of those questions, um, you can get a lot of data and, and make a, a pretty effective case using that data um, to your organizational leadership. So don't be afraid to, to pull those industry numbers. They can be very helpful. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. Now, even with your tight budgets, we know that there are seemingly endless expansion opportunities for CDI, whether that's outpatient CDI or denials management or something else entirely. So when you are presented with a new expansion opportunity for your program, how do you decide what's worth your time and resources and what really isn't? And then what metrics do you look at to prove your expansion's efficacy? Our organization has a physician-led CDI program. It has evolved after we merged to a corporate CDI department four years ago. There were several key areas of focus that we decided on. These included staffing, technology, education, denials management, and most recently expansion of our outpatient CDI program. Our first step was standardizing our workflow process to capture and collect accurate impact. We then evaluated how to ramp up our staffing. Our physician leads focused on education for our department, as well as creating education modules for our providers. We um, adopted the technology that Central Texas had in place and then rolled it out to all the North Texas facilities. In addition, we expanded our coverage to retrospect reviews as there were some opportunities we were leaving on the table. We also had our physician lead pilot CAPD at few facilities. And then last year, based on trended denial metrics, our physician lead started working with the Denial Resource Center to continuously monitor those denials. In analyzing the underlying reasons for these denials, educational opportunities for the providers and CDIs were identified and targeted for better outcomes. Our physician lead also worked on appeals to overturn some cases and track the financial impact towards that. Lastly, our outpatient CDI team has expanded this year with a focus on provider education which will ultimately improve our scores. All these key areas of focus require great collaboration from our leadership team. We evaluate goals throughout the year and adjust if needed. The direction is led by our vice president of CDI, which ensures each stage of expansion is successful. I love that kind of collaborative, multidisciplinary approach that you described. I think that's a really great model. You know, CDI, I think, has often been talked about as sort of the bridge between the clinical and the coding worlds. I think now you could also say you're the bridge between the the quality world and a variety of other departments. Um, but you really do have to work kind of in concert to make sure that a expansion project, regardless of where you're expanding to, is successful. So thank you for sharing that. That's lovely. Of course. So my last question is maybe my my favorite question. So as we've talked about 
healthcare's financial situation could feel pretty perilous at the moment, but it's also really a time of massive CDI growth and expansion. We've talked about it here. We've seen it in the Actus data over the last year or more. Um, it can. It's also a very exciting time. So what role do you think CDI plays in the future of healthcare broadly? And where do you see your own department advancing and kind of pushing the ball forward despite setbacks and challenges? It's an exciting time to be part of such a valuable department. It's important not to remain stagnant, but to evolve with the goal of improving the department. Change is often difficult, but inevitable. So what can we do better? There are so many aspects of CDI that remain untouched, but it also depends on the maturity of the program. A newer program might focus on internal KPIs to concentrate on how to improve metrics such as review rate or provider response rate. A more mature program might review both internal and external benchmarks. The external metrics may include PEPA reports, pay for performance measures, or directed towards HCC capture and RAF scores. These benchmarks will provide comparisons among peers and reveal key focus areas for individual facilities. Ultimately, these quality measures may also be tied to better reimbursement in the foreseen future. The CDI leadership team can take the initiative to work with key stakeholders to collaborate and improve metrics for financial growth of the organization. Now, regarding CDI's outlook, I foresee technology and artificial intelligence will play a major role in the future of CDI. At Baylor Scott & White Health, we are hoping to have the CAPD in place for increased efficiency. I'm also hoping for further sophistication of the software we're currently utilizing to assist CDIs in their daily work processes. In addition, our physician lead has focused on provider education to eliminate future denials. Lastly, our leadership team is working on a holistic approach for providers to receive scorecards based on service lines. And this scorecard will also include education that addresses both inpatient and outpatient CDI. We hope to roll this out soon with the top five service lines and expand from there. It has been a worthwhile team effort in helping to build a more robust CDI program. That's awesome. It sounds like, I mean, I know from talking to you in other contexts as well that your program is kind of on the cusp of a lot of really exciting things. Um, and I think a lot of folks in the audience will feel the same. Um, it's it's an exciting time to be in CDI. I think we're going to see some some big things happening over the next few years, whether that's outpatient or denials management or technology or all of the above. It's just a really, really exciting time to be in the industry. Well, that is, I think, a great place to stop for today. This has been so helpful, and I really appreciate you talking with me today, Suma. As always, if our audience has any questions about this topic or about any topic, you can feel free to email the Actus team at actus-inquiries at simplifycompliance.com. I will also put that address in today's show notes on actus.org so that you can grab it from there. Now it's time for the Actus 
this update, a regular segment featuring the latest news on what's going on inside the association. I have a number of things to tell you about today, so I will jump right in. First, as you may have seen, we decided to extend the deadline for the Actus CDI scholarship applications till Wednesday, December 14th. If you haven't already, take a look at the link in the show notes and do consider applying. It's a great way to get a leg up on some professional development without dipping into your educational or personal budget. I know we've discussed the scholarships on the podcast before at length, so I won't go into the details today in the interest of time, but I do encourage you to take a look and throw your hat in the ring. The second thing I wanted to mention is that we are now accepting poster applications for the 2023 Actus Conference. This is your opportunity to show the CDI community how your organization, your team, or you personally have flourished in the profession. Poster creators offer insight and answer questions from passersby during a designated break at the conference, allowing us an all an opportunity to see what's happening in CDI beyond our own backyards. What's more, one producer for each selected poster receives $200 off their conference admission, and all producers who attend the conference can earn four CEUs. To submit your poster idea for consideration, fill out the application in today's show notes. All applications must be submitted by January 30th, 2023, and applicants will be notified in February. Additionally, now is your chance to recognize the efforts and dedication of your colleagues by nominating them for an Actus Achievement Award. Actus will be presenting its five legacy awards this year, which include the CDI Professional of the Year, Recognition of CDI Professional Achievement, Excellence in Provider Engagement, Rookie of the Year, and Diversity in CDI. It is also our honor to offer the Melissa Varnavis Spirit of Service Award for the very first time. This inaugural award recognizes an individual who has committed themselves to service by volunteering their time and skills to assist their peers and advance the CDI profession. It also honors the legacy of one of Actus's own, Melissa Varnavis. To read the full descriptions of all six awards and nominate a peer for an award, use the link in today's show notes. All nominations must be submitted by January 30th, 2023. Finally, as we alluded in last week's Actus podcast episode, 2023 will be a year of change for this show. Since its inception, the Actus podcast has brought the leading experts in CDI to listeners every other Wednesday through informal conversations on the hottest topics in the industry. Historically, the show has not offered continuing education credits because it was designed to be less formal than a traditional educational webinar. With the format changes that took place in early 2022, however, the podcast interviews became more robust. They now average between 20 and 25 minutes of the 30-minute show instead of an average of 12 to 15 minutes. The Actus team has worked hard to streamline the episodes, limit advertisements to a strict one to two-minute slot at the beginning of the show, complete with its own catchy ad music, and deepen the conversations. Because of these efforts, the show is now ready for its next stage, and we are proud to share that starting in 2023, the Actus podcast will offer 0.5 Actus CEUs per episode. This change comes partnered with a couple other updates that will allow us to offer the CEUs more effectively. First, after many years of doing the show live, we will be moving to a completely pre-recorded format. 
While veteran listeners may be disappointed by this change, rest assured that we have really good reasons for it. First, instead of confining listeners to a set 30-minute period in order to qualify for those 0.5 CEUs, listeners will have a full 48 hours to listen and take the associated survey. Secondly, pre-recording allows the ACTUS team more creative control in order to record the best possible episode and give our guests more flexibility to record their interviews at times that work best for their schedules. And finally, moving away from the GoToWebinar platform will bypass many organizational restrictions currently preventing listeners from joining us live every other week. The second change is that because the podcast will no longer be live, the way you listen will change. Our schedule will stay the same every other Wednesday, starting with January 4th, 2023. But instead of hosting the show live on GoToWebinar, we will post the episode on to the Actus website and to the various podcast apps. For the first 48 hours, you'll have the opportunity to claim the 0.5 CEUs by responding to the associated episode survey. After that point, the CEU link will close, but listeners will still be able to access the episode on the website or in their podcast app. Those who are currently subscribed to the podcast will still receive notification that the new episode is available via our weekly CDI Strategies newsletter, which goes out on Thursdays. We know that change can be difficult, but we really do believe that the addition of CEUs as well as the other process improvements will result in a better offering for our audience and another valuable opportunity to obtain CEUs at no charge. Rest assured that we'll be making the topic schedule available whenever possible so that you can still submit questions on the topics we plan to cover. We really do want this podcast to continue to be a valued resource for your professional development. With that, we have reached the end of today's Actus podcast episode. We'll be back in two weeks on Wednesday, December 21st for our final show of 2022, which will be a yearly review both of Actus and of the industry as a whole. Actus Interim Director Lori Prescott, RN, MSN, CCDS, CCDSO, CDIP, CRC will join Director of Programming Rebecca Hendren for the episode. The December 21st show will be part of our Talking CDI series. As I mentioned in the Actus update, the December 21st show will also be our last hosted live on the GoToWebinar platform. In 2023, you can find the episodes on the Actus website, your podcast app, and linked in CDI strategies. You'll also be able to start taking advantage of the new CEU offering. You can listen to the show anytime on the Actus website or via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. All the links we discussed during today's episode will be available in the show notes on actus.org and in your podcast app. And as always, we'd appreciate if you would take a minute to leave us a five-star review on your podcast app of choice to help others find our show. Our intro and outro music is Media Noche by Dion Key, and our ad music is Take Me Higher by Jazzar, both obtained from the Free Music Archive. If you have any suggestions for future guests or topics, please email us at actus-inquiries at simplifycompliance.com. Until next time, take care, everyone.